The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer. We've enjoyed bringing this show since 2005. Your host is Mari Frank, a local attorney since 1985. She's a certified information privacy professional and the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, Protecting Yourself with a Personal Privacy Audit, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. Mari's testified many times on privacy issues in Congress and the California Legislature. She served as a privacy expert for numerous court cases nationwide and at a White House press conference featured on C-SPAN. You may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, The O'Reilly Factor, and many more shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. Mari, what's our show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about the challenges that we have with government snooping and the police state, and we've heard so much about that recently. And there's a wonderful new book that just came out by our wonderful guest, and it's called Battlefield America by John W. Whitehead. And he's been on our show before, and he is also... Uh, the president of the Rutherford Institute in beautiful Charlottesville, Virginia, where I used to live. But let me tell you a little bit about John. If you haven't heard him before, then you'll know a little bit about him. John Whitehead is an attorney and author who has written and practiced widely in the area of constitutional law and human rights. His concern for the uh, the persecuted and oppressed led him in 1982 to establish the Rutherford Institute, which is a nonprofit civil liberties and human organization whose international headquarters are in beautiful Charlottesville, Virginia. He serves as the Institute's president and spokesperson in addition to writing a weekly commentary that is posted on the Rutherford Institute's website at rutherford.org. He, it is also distributed to several hundred newspapers and hosting a national public service radio campaign. Uh, Whitehead's aggressive pioneering approach to civil liberties issues has earned him numerous accolades, including the Hungarian Medal of Freedom. John has been the subject of numerous newspaper, magazine, and television profiles ranging from Gentleman's Quarterly to CBS 60 Minutes. And his articles have been printed in the New York Times, Los Angeles Times, the Washington Post, and USA Today, among others. He gained international uh, recognition as the result of his role as co-consul in Paula Jones' sexual harassment lawsuit against President Lincoln. Oh, Lincoln. President Clinton. Oh, my goodness. Whitehead, <laughs> Whitehead continues to speak out in defense of women's rights to be free from sexual harassment and frequently comments on a variety of legal issues in the national media. And he's been interviewed on O'Reilly, Crossfire, CNN, Larry King Live, Dateline, Nighttime, The Today Show, Good Morning America, CBS Evening News, and so much more. And, of course, he's been on our sh- show before. So, John, thank you for joining us all the way from beautiful Charlottesville, Virginia. Hey, thanks for having me on. 
You know, John, I had also uh, read this recent article that you had written about the government snooping. And, of course, you have your new book, too, as well. So it came back into my thoughts again, so we're thrilled that you're having the time to spend with us this morning. So tell us about your new book, The Battlefield America, The War on American People. Um, well, it's a uh, book that I took a while to write, very, very carefully researched. I was concerned about the militarized police, uh, all the government snooping and spying, which I go through in detail in my book, um, the rise of technology where nothing's really private anymore, and I've been told that by NSA agents, by the way, former NSA agents and present NSA agents. Uh, the government has amazing abilities. For example, the FBI's minute they can turn your cell phone on or, or at, from a distance, it becomes a microphone, your laptop becomes a camera from a distance. Um, Everything you're saying is basically uh, today on the telephone. It's either going to voice or what they call voice biometrics. They can read, it's like facial recognition software, or iris scanners. They can track you according to your voice. Uh, all this is available to the government. They've been doing it for years, by the way. I first started writing on the National Security Agency back in the 1980s when they were caught listening in on telephone calls of American citizens. So this is not something new. It's not been curtailed by recent legislation, by the way. Um, believe it or not, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the NSA downloads about 2 billion emails a day of American citizens, over 400 million text messages. They admit to hacking into 160,000 Facebook pages on a daily basis. So... Uh, they're watching virtually everything we do. At the Rutherford Institute, which I'm the president of, they, uh, we, we have the cases where people are arrested and taken from their home for Facebook posts. And, I mean, aggressively so, by the way. We can go into one of those cases yeah. if you'd like me to do so. We had a, he was a young Marine. His name was Brandon Rob. <clears throat> this was about a year and a half ago. He was at home on a Saturday morning. He just got to jogging, and uh, he was typing on his home computer. He had a uh, business. He was out of his home. He heard uh, some noises outside, vehicles and voices and he lived outside of a small community in Richmond, Virginia, so when you hear something there, you know something's going on. So he walked to his front door, he saw all these uh, policemen and plainclothes agents running toward his door. Being a former Marine, a decorated Marine, I ran uh, Afghanistan, he, uh, Iraq and Afghanistan, he stepped to the door and they all stepped on the front porch by eight of them and he said, well, what's up? And they said, well, we're concerned about some things you're posting on Facebook. What have you been doing? He had called for... Obama to be arrested. He said he was committing treason. Mm -hmm. Again, that's just his opinion. In America, right, the right. First Amendment guarantees that. Uh, he was uh, quoting some rap lyrics, playing a private Facebook game, by the way. His brother and sister called Dear Mr. Lindy. The government had hacked into that. Uh, they asked him to step out on the front porch, which he did. He, he, he didn't have his shirt on. He just got too jogging. They grabbed him quickly, handcuffed him behind his back. Mm -hmm. He was arguing on his way to the police car. He slammed him against the fence, lacerated his back. When he got to the police station, he asked for uh, bandages. They put a prison shirt on, which he said stuck in his back, hurt very badly. They, he had a five-minute examination in a prison cell with a psychiatrist who said his slow speech in, in terms of responding. He was very nervous about answering. Again, right. being a lawyer, you know that. You don't answer. Right. <laughs> Anybody that's a government agent, unless you have your lawyer there. And uh, he wasn't read his rights, by the way, because they said he had committed no crime. Right. I called right. the police chief, and he said, oh, he's committed no crime. That's said, <laughs> chief handcuffing behind his back. He had a short hearing. He was placed in a mental hospital. Uh, we got him out in a week. Mm -hmm. uh, we filed a lawsuit. The judge said he shouldn't be there at all. And now we have a federal lawsuit in, in the Federal Court of Appeals in the Fourth Circuit over suing the agent. So uh, uh, we've helped a number of people throughout the country that this has happened to. They were either arrested or uh, the FBI or NSA shows up at their door the next mm -hmm. day after post and talks to them. So... 
obviously we're watching, and you know, the Fourth Amendment says before you do surveillance on American citizens, you have to have probable cause or some evidence of criminality or something. Right. They're just doing it. They just don't know everything they're doing. So you're being watched. Uh, people are so nervous. I just saw a recent Facebook uh, survey. Over 50% of Americans now are nervous about what they post on Facebook or Twitter and stuff. And in a free country, the question I ask is why should you have to worry about that? So that's why it's called Battlefield America. All the... Um, Police shootings we're seeing um, in this country of unarmed citizens, mm. that has not decreased. In fact, uh, in the first two months of this year, uh, more people were shot in this country by police than in, in the other six industrialized countries of the world. So yeah. There's something going wrong in America, uh, which I look at in the book and say, I think we can do it if citizens would get you know, active, in a, in, especially their local government, get involved and start speaking out. We can change these things, but... Uh, there's a, a, a more, not enough Americans are awake yet to do that, in my opinion. Yeah. And what do you think about Edward Snowden? I mean, now he, you know, can we bring him back? What, there are a lot of people that have very strong opinions, either that he's a hero or that he's a traitor. And it's pretty funny because when I was in D.C. recently, most of the people that I met seemed to think he was a traitor, which kind of shocked me, you know, when all of the revelations that have come out. So what do you think about that? What do you think about well, I guess the question everyone would have to face, and I uh, talked to former NSA agents who don't think he's a traitor, by the way. They saw the same thing, and they, they admitted to me that they should have said something. When you see the government violating the Constitution right. completely, which they do, um, listen, when you have NSA agents showing up at doors, and we had the cases, two NSA agents showing up at the doors of a former Vietnam vet just because he was doing some Facebook posts and threatened the deporting from the country, he came into my office weeping. This is a war, you know. Right. Uh, when they're doing that kind of stuff in this country, as I write in my book, it's very reminiscent of former regimes that yes. we, some people know about in history, but don't, we, we've not really studied it. But if I studied uh, some of the, the Soviet Union, the old Soviet Union, Nazi Germany, it's right. very similar tactics. So... I guess the question is, if you see the government violating the Constitution, should you just go home and eat a hamburger and french fries at McDonald's, or should you say something about it? Uh, I've had a number of young NSA agents talk to me. They call themselves the Constitutionalists. They don't like it. And more of them are getting active, which is good. But I don't see them, you know, speaking out no. or going on TV or writing. I asked them. one that. I asked, yeah, why don't you I mean, come out publicly? He didn't do that. He said, oh, well, no. The first thing he said was Bradley Manning. <laughs> if you remember Bradley Manning was putting up detention center, mm. and most of it couldn't see his family a lawyer, right. uh, and then the, I, I said, that and then he goes, yeah, and Edward Snowden, because where's Edward Snowden now? Yeah, Russia, right? Exactly, he's having, having to hide out, so right. I think, uh, you can call him what you want to call him, but I think without whistleblowers, and I've helped a number of whistleblowers that right. have worked in the other agencies, um, what, yeah, whatever you think yeah, of him. Sure. The truth. Should we know what the government's doing or should we not know? Exactly. Whatever you think of him, the, the point is, is we it has made some impact. Oh, yeah. People are aware now, and we at least had Congress addressing the issue. Whether it made much of a difference with NSA or whatever, at least we know, and we can't say we don't know about this now. You know, it's out there. We know about it, but, you know, if you just do a little research, I mean, the Department of Homeland Security is giving so many spy gadgets to local police. They have stingray devices in their cars. Now, most police agencies are small little boxes. They, have, they act as fake cell phone towers. They download everything in your home, from your mm -hmm. laptop to your cell phone, all the information in your car. And then that's uh, 
Benson on to fusion centers, which is about 70 of those across the country where they collate all this information. And when you're driving now along the road, they can tell where you're at, where you're shopping, who you're texting. Uh, this is uh, fed through local police. So it isn't just the NSA. And, you know, we know all these gadgets exist. But, again, most Americans are not staying in tune. So that's why I said I'm going to write a book. I'm going to lay all this out. And I hope it will wake people up to what's going on. And maybe we can take some action in this country to make sure our freedoms are not lost, especially for those young kids growing up today. Exactly. They're going to be facing a future that that we couldn't realize as older folks. Yes, and I think it's overwhelming for people. They feel impotent, but but together, you know, when you actually have everybody put something together and work together and get some help in putting it together, then we can raise our arms and say we're not going to put up with this anymore. But So what do you believe is really the most significant factor that contributed to this this American police state? What What is causing it? You think it's 9-11? What is it? Well, it zoomed up you know, after 9-11, uh, especially the military equipment. You know, has, uh, President Obama came out with a press thing about a month ago about demilitarizing the police. Well, I've talked to police across the country. They say that's not happening. Uh, we have police that have grenade launchers, MRAPs, mine-resistant armor protection vehicles, all this expensive equipment. Coming out of the Department of Homeland Security, which is distributing it throughout the country, by the way, uh, we did research at the Rutherford Institute. So, uh, we, we were told initially it was old equipment out of Afghanistan in the war zone. We found out 40% of it's brand new. Right. So a lot of it's coming through very very big corporate lobbyists who are making tons of money. I mean, you're talking about night goggles, sniper rifles, uh, amazing equipment from local police. Um, right. Black Hawk helicopters. Right, right. Sniper scopes. Uh, How about drones? The other thing, just to mention this, uh, most people realize about uh, two years ago, the Department of Homeland Security contracted to buy, had a made special on 1.6 million hollow point bullets to be distributed among their agents. Hollow point bullets expand on contact to violate international law. The Social Security Administration purchased over 200,000 hollow point bullets to be distributed to 41 locations across the country. The Department of Agriculture, the Department of Fisheries all have hollow point bullets. What? I'm a former infantry officer. We couldn't use them. They create so much damage when they hit the human body. So the question was raised at the time, and I, I don't have the answer, is why would the government agents in this country, all over the country now, have hollow point bullets, which what? can blow you away? Why would the Social Security Administration have that? That's a good question. <laughs> no one can answer it because they won't tell you. That is just amazing. I mean, it, it makes some people paranoid, and uh, yeah. I think... Awareness is a better word. Just stay aware. Why, you know? Or we can do this way. The Department of Homeland Security agents they have they have three times the ammunition per agent than the troops over in Afghanistan. Mm. Three times. And what about drones? Drones, the same thing. Um, again, I cover drones in the book. Uh, drones are an amazing form of technology. They have hummingbird drones, beetle yeah. drones, mosquito drones. Go down the list. Uh, right. They have a seagull drone, but they have the bigger drones, but they all have scanning devices uh, that they can fly over your home, and this is without a warrant. Scan everything yeah. you're doing in your home, and as you're going on another way, and it yeah. goes up again into a, a computer cloud uh, to tasers. Now, the, a new, the new drone has been developed that actually has a laser, which wow. is going to be used domestically, by the way, if there's civil dis- the 
disturbances. So, again, I'm, I'm telling people, education precedes action. Get educated. Yeah. Learn these things because they're happening in American soil. And uh, you know, a lot of people say, well, it never will affect me, but yeah. you, you don't know that. And here's the other thing. The 80,000 SWAT team raids that are occurring across America, up from 3,000 in the 1980s, 80,000, 80% from their warrant service, where police mm-hmm. used to knock on your door to see if you were the person they were after. Right. I mean, kids are getting killed. American, innocent American citizens, Jose Guerrero in Arizona, they were doing a marijuana sweep of his home. He's a former decorated veteran. Uh, they go through the SWAT team went through his door at 3 a.m. in the morning. He shoved his wife and kid in the closet. The police saw him at the other hallway. They shot 70, over 70 times at him, 50. He died on his floor. Uh, he was holding his rifle at the other hallway. He thought it was burglars. Mm-hmm. And come to find yes. out, he never fired a weapon. The police said they fired him. The safety never came off his weapon. And guess what? No marijuana was found in his home. Mm-hmm. They're not following the warrant procedure anymore. Right. So these things are ha- it can happen to you folks. Right. And, and I, I have people who tell me uh, who worked in civil liberties for years, they say, well, most Americans are not going to do anything unless it happens to them. But I'm telling you, wake up now so you can make sure it doesn't happen to your next-door neighbor. Exactly. So... How do we um, get people involved? I mean, I don't know how many people are going to read your book. Hopefully this this radio show and all the other media that you're doing will at least educate people. But how? why is it so so many of us uh, remain ignorant or passive about, about all, this, all of this stuff that's going on? Why is that? Well, I, I have a large section of my book, Why Are People Distracted? Uh, about the average American watches 150 hours of television a month. Uh, the average young person now they're saying up to eight hours a day on screen time on some kind of electronic device. Right. The social scientists and psychologists I quote in my book say that it's cultural death. Yeah. We're not really going to be uh, acting if you're watching all the time, if you're being distracted. So I'm telling people at least take about one third of those hours and get active politically. And there are people out there saying get active. You know, remember Martin Luther King and the great ones? They're always saying sure. get active, get right. involved, march if you need to, those kind of things. Uh, you can do that, but you're not going to do it if you're sitting and watching. And, and most right. Americans are sitting and watching, and they're not uh, really careful what they read. Uh, there's a lot of good information out there. I always say education precedes action. Right. A book like mine, Battlefield America, is a good place to start, but you need to go further than that. There's a lot of good information out on the internet now, right. a lot of good articles from varied sources. Right. Some credible, you know, some not. But I, I read up to sometimes five hours a day just to stay attuned. Yes. As I show in my book, the robotics yeah. revolution coming now is going to be amazing with uh, Dubai by the way now over in the Middle East is now saying within two years they're going to be using robotic policemen oh, they've already developed them here I challenge you your, your listeners go on the website look at the Atlas 4 Android it's yes. 6 foot tall 360 pounds people are saying that's the future policeman he will arrive at your door with a fleet of drones over here they'll right. be coordinating what they call the hive mind and I cover all this in a book but most people don't realize how far it's gone and what's going to happen. But, you know, you, you raise the issue of drones. I mean, the drones are high, up to 20,000 feet. Drones have facial recognition software that can pick you up off the ground. Wow. So this is not a warrant. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't know if you heard recently, too, the FBI has been using those fake companies. <laughs> the small airplanes you fly, fly over your community sometimes, mm-hmm. they don't like Cessnas and all that. They are Cessnas, but... They're actually owned by the FBI. Uh, 
they're, they, they, they're thinking about all your cell phone information. They're actually doing uh, facial recognition stuff in those airplanes, picking up visions of the ground without warrants. That's just, that, that's, if you go to our website at Rutherford.org, we do a weekly thing called Freedom Watch where we list all these articles. So you can start there, I think, to start getting educated. What do you think about, the, the, you know, as opposed to what all this stuff that's going on, about uh, now the fact that all of us have our smartphones, that we can take videos of what's really going on, and then that goes on. That's kind of like, you know, the opposite. That's, that's helping us. So what do you think about that? Uh, I think it's great. I mean, the police is a good idea. We advocate that. Uh, you may get in trouble sometimes. People, you know, if you've been involved in some of the issues where people have been shut down, told turn their phones off, the police get upset. But <clears throat> I think that uh, I try to keep, keep tell people in this country, you know, the Constitution starts with those three beautiful words, we the people, we are the government. It's mm-hmm. our government. It's not that you can be the government. You are the government. The question is, do you want to be the government? Uh, so get involved, film, get your friends. I mean, I've seen uh, small city councils make amazing news once the citizens, you know, like film a SWAT. Let's put it this right. way. When you see a SWAT team raid in your community where someone gets killed, yeah. uh, folks, get down at that local city, city council and get uh, an oversight committee on that SWAT team. Make sure that doesn't happen again. And make mm-hmm. sure they follow the Fourth Amendment. Yeah. Grassroots efforts. I Grassroots think. efforts do yeah. work. Yeah. That's why they're discouraged, in my opinion. Right, right. <laughs> what about the legislative bodies, both at our state and federal levels? Okay, what oh, what do you think we need to do with them? I mean, are they contributing to the growing police state? Oh, sure. The uh, there was a principal study, and I, I talked about this in my book, Battlefield America. It came out in 2014 in conjunction with Northwestern University. They did a two-decade study of all basic national policies that had been passed or voted or whatever over two decades, and they came to the conclusion, this is their language, that, that uh, in this country we're ruled by an oligarchic elite, which is basically moneyed interest, and they run Congress. And uh, I've worked in and out of D.C. for almost 35 years, so I've seen that. Uh, so co- co- Congress, uh, basically, in my opinion, is not, you don't get much of that, you don't get much help from the president, but... Uh, they do contribute to it. Uh, when you see all this equipment flowing to police, stingray devices, all the stuff that violates the Constitution, the local police, that's coming out of federal government because someone's making money. Right. Again, uh, America is meant to be a bottom-up, grassroots society, mm-hmm. not ruled by it. I mean, the people who wrote the Constitution, as you know, right, was not, they didn't set up a thing to rule the whole country now. They thought it would be a state-by-state, town-by-town, real democracy in action which is what, you know, I advocate. Yes, yes. You know, you mentioned several times the heavy government oversight of public schools in your book, too. And how can parents protect their children from an education that's really tainted with this government intrusion? This is what they're being brainwashed, right? I think brainwashed is a good word, indoctrinated. Um, to, to be honest with you, um, and this is what I've seen. I've, I've, I'm a civil libertarian lawyer for over 35 years. Uh, I have a summer intern program, and I have interns that come in and study with me from law school. These are law students. Mm-hmm. I routinely ask them either on the first or second day as a group, can anyone in this group, I'm looking over the group of 20 or 30 students sometimes, can anyone in this group tell me the five freedoms of the First Amendment? Mm. I haven't found one who can mm. in, in uh, nearly 30 years. 
uh, I spoke to a large lawyers group just recently. I also won't say who. These are your top lawyers from around the country. And I asked them the same question in the middle of my speech. Not one lawyer would raise his hand telling the five freedoms of the First Amendment. And gets me back to the schools. The schools are not teaching civics anymore. Your average kid doesn't know what's in the First Amendment, the Fourth Amendment, the Sixth Amendment, the Fifth Amendment. They don't know, you know, what our rights are. They don't know much about so-called founding fathers. And so without that knowledge... You don't know how the country was founded and what mm-hmm. the people who stood for. If you don't know what's in the First Amendment, I came out of the uh, 1960s an activist. I mean, I had a year of civics, which was heavy on knowing your rights, the yeah. Bill of Rights, that kind of thing. Right. And but the kids are not getting that today. They're just not. And then we have these heavy zero tolerance policies where, and these are cases we get into where a kid sided with a weapon violation. To give you one case, we had a kid who drew his uncle. He was a fourth grader in Louisiana. Drew his uncle, who was in uh, Afghanistan, with a stick figure carrying a rifle, a stick figure rifle. He took it to lunch after he drew it that day, and a teacher saw it. He was pulled out of class and taken taken to the president's office and decided with a weapons violation. Oh, my goodness. It's that kind of stuff. It's crazy. And we win those cases, by the way. Yeah. When they come out, we get the weapons violation off of the record. Uh, but that kind of intimidation in the schools when kids are afraid to say a long list of words, they are nervous about who the authority figure is. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not teaching that spirit of liberty or debate anymore. And I've seen debate disappear, by the way, in American society in general. You know what worries me about these young kids is that everything that they see on TV is so violent. So when the police do this violent stuff that they see on TV, whether it's the police or the bad guy or whomever, it's almost like, oh, that's an everyday thing. I don't think that they're recognizing the the uh, the intensity of it or the truth of it until it happens to them. You're hearing a really good point. They don't know. When you, some of the action movies I've seen recently, people fly through the air and slide crashing the ground. They don't see the pain that's involved in, uh, let's say a policeman coming to somebody's house and slamming them face down, or slamming them face down on the street because they just argue with a policeman. They don't see that. No. So I think they're they're basically being acclimated to an unreal world. In fact, there are some people saying we're basically infantilizing our culture and turning them into children, basically. And they don't understand the realities of life, the pain, the things that you see with violence. But when you, like I say, I go back, there's 80,000 SWAT team raids where they're going to people's doors in this country on an annual basis, and it's growing. And sooner or later, it's going to hit more and more of the population. The thing that worries me, and I talk about it in my book, and Carl Bernstein of Bernstein Woodward, yeah, you know, yeah, fame, yeah. who out of Nixon and the Watergate thing, right. he said that in a really good article, and I quote it in my book, uh, that uh, the CIA, NSA, all the groups, FBI, vet some of the major writers, they propose as writers, and they filter news, so we're not getting the news like we needed either, by the way. Exactly. According to Carl Bernstein, by the way. Right. Not me. Right. <laughs> and, and, and he was a longtime journalist, so that's for sure. Oh, he's very credible, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, you've got this whole First Amendment issue so that all of these uh, filmmakers, you can't really stop them from doing what they're doing, right? I mean, because when they create this violent stuff, that's they have the right to do that. That's a First Amendment right that they can create this these films or oh sure you know. I mean, so you can't stop it unless you have a, a people who won't buy that or won't go to the movies, right? Right. I mean, it's uh, that's what well, I think it's going to be very challenging. What, what I see, and I do work with a lot of young folks, college graduates, law students, etc. Uh, they're totally acclimated to that culture. Yes. <clears throat> what I what I try to do is sit down and analyze to talk about it 
uh, and hopefully let them see the other side of it. And mm-hmm. it's going to take some debate. It's going to take it's going to take a lot of work. Uh, I talk to civil libertarians, left wing, right wing, libertarian, uh, whatever. That I work with across the field. I don't have no politics, by the way, so it, I can work with anybody. <laughs> uh, they're all telling me that, that very short time they think anything can happen in this country. I mean, the, the right kind of incident could cause lockdowns in some areas of the country, that kind of thing. And studying the Department of Defense, they have the, uh, put millions of dollars into the Minerva Research Initiative where they're studying how to put down basically free speech protests. Mm. This is the Department of Defense. Now, I have a question whether my government should be studying on how to put down so-called uh, yeah. social unrest, as I call it. I remember the And I look at my hero, right? Martin Luther King, who yeah. was my hero. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> the drones, all the stuff they have today, Martin Luther King had a tough time getting off the ground. Right. Right. Well, I remember I was, you know, I was at the University of Wisconsin in the, you know, the late 60s. So I remember all this stuff, you know, and I remember them trying to squelch us while, while yep. we were protesting. Well, today they have the technology. In fact, we have uh, free speech advocates who just want to have a protest, okay? So they do text messages or Twitter, they back and forth. The FBI is reading it all. Well, it's fed into the FBI to the NSA to work right. together, but they're meeting with the protesters. They, get, they call it and, and basically intimidate them. And a lot of them don't ever do the protest. I meet with them beforehand. Right. Well, we are just about out and, of time. And that's, that's, that's really bad. The government should not be doing that, folks. Right. I don't care what you call it. Right. So we have been speaking with John M. Whitehead, who is the author of Battlefield America, The War on the American People. So you want to just give your website for the Rutherford Institute? Yeah, rutherford.org, rutherford.org. We have a lot of information, cases and stuff that you can get updated on. It's a good, good, good information site. Well, thank you so much, John. It's always great to have you on the show, and I hope that we will keep in touch and find out about your next book, okay? Hey, thank you very much. Okay, bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM Minerva and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. and visit our website at kuci.org slash privacy piracy. Thanks. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the KC Board of Regents.